today I want to get into a message that can hopefully give us a new perspective and just clarity on our priorities right now, just as we're going through things. And um, it just seems like, you know, nowadays there's, there's, there's a protest for everything, you know, from, you know, all the way from the big things to the small things. And the protests is just, it's all happening, you know. And it's hard to tell, like, which protests, which sides, which, what do we do, you know, with all this stuff? And do I wear a mask, not wear a mask, go to church, not go to church, and all this stuff? And so this is, this is funny, and it was, it was, this is a passage that actually stuck out to me, like, a month and a half ago. And now that we had the baby and the things going on right now, I revisited this, getting ready to preach today. And it just happened to be a story when Jesus gets involved in a protest. <laughs> and you may say, what? There's no protest, but there is. And it's a little story. And so we're going to dive into it. It's from Matthew 15 and Mark 7. And I'm going to kind of piece those two scriptures together because it's the same story. But uh, Mark gives us some good details. And so, yeah, let's just start by diving into it. So I guess the title of my message is WWJP, yes. which means, what would Jesus <laughs> protest? <laughs> <laughs> what would Jesus protest? Not what would Jesus do? What would Jesus protest? We need some help in this. All right. Matthew 15, 1. Uh, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And I'm going to jump over to Mark 3 because it gives us a description. It says, For the Pharisees and all the Jews don't eat unless they wash their hands properly. It's just not even a question. Holding to the tradition of the elders, and when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots, copper vessels, and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition, um, but eat with defiled hands? And Jesus fires back with a really powerful um, question, and he often does. He responds to accusations with questions. And he says, um, driving the issue deeper, he says, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? And that's kind of the, the topic we're getting into today is, is priorities. And not everything holds the same value. And sometimes when we get caught up in the shallow priorities, somehow it blinds us to the deeper things where we actually experience peace and fulfillment and purpose and love. And if we get stuck on the wrong priority, um, we're going to lose it. And Jesus, Jesus always taught the kingdom has an order to it. You know, there's an order to life. Um, just think of Matthew six thirty three. you know, seek first these things, seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added to you. You can't seek it second. <laughs> you got to seek it first. And that makes all the difference. So, um, <clears throat> let's see. Okay. So, 
recently we had to reshift our priorities, you know, massively because of this new human in our life, Little River, and um, it's shifted up things for all of us. And sometimes in life, you know, you got to shift your priorities, not because you want to, but just because circumstances change and it requires it. So um, one of the first nights we had the baby, I was bringing her into the to the room and we kind of have this funny habit with the dog every night and Zazo always jumps on the bed and when he sees us coming in, he always leaves. Like, no complaint. He just sees us coming. He's like, oh, your guy's time. He gets off the bed and sits in his little spot where he sleeps next to us, like on the floor. And so this time, this is the f I can't remember if it was the very first time, but it was one of the first times I'm walking in with the baby to put her on the bed. And Zazo's in his spot, laying there. And when I walk in, make eye contact with Zazo, it's all business as usual. And then, but as I step closer to him, he didn't move. He like hunkered down even more. And I was like, what the? And then we like made even more eye contact and I could see in his eyes, it wasn't like this submissive, like, oh, hey Seth. It was like this, what are you doing? <laughs> and he was challenging, you know, because he knew, you know, times were changing and here comes this little baby gonna take his place on the bed. And it's just so funny that an animal could like recognize this. <laughs> Dogs are so smart. So like I come in and I had to like go up and like nudge him. I physically had to like, you know, put my foot on him. I'm holding the baby in her little dock and I'm like, Zazo, move. And finally he like just like takes the walk of shame off the bed and then sits down in the corner and I put her down. And, you know, it's it's like that sometimes, you know, like with when new circumstances happen, new season of life, um, you know, maybe it's a new job, maybe it's the loss of something, and we have to learn how to reprioritize. And that's where Jesus is so profound, and he's so helpful for us as we follow him. And, and so, you know, how foolish would it be if in the moment of conflict, I'm just like, you're right, Zazo you get to stay close to mommy because that's just the way we always do it. So I'll put the baby down in the corner because that's the way we always do it. It's like, no, like baby gets priority, you know? So we're shifting things up and that's, that's the direction that we're going in this, in this text today. Um, so, um, yeah, let's kind of dive back into the, the context of the passage you know, Jesus is clearly protesting um, something. You know, it, do, it doesn't have much meaning to us yet in the text, but I did some research about this hand washing, and it was actually so important to the people, and it had been part of their lifestyle for, you know, generation after generation. And they would walk into a room, and the very first thing you do, you know, to show that you're, you're practicing like you, you're, you, you know, you, you care about God and you're a good Jew. The first thing you do, it's easy. You just walk through the door and they have like a little cup and it's not like a hygiene thing. This is a totally just a, like a cultural thing. It's, it's, it's a spiritual thing because they taught like, you know, if you go into the temple, you do this splashing, you just, it's not like a scrub. You just splash the cup and then splash the cup on Joe. 
and we, we walk into the room and that it became such a tradition that like they defined each other by like who did it and who didn't. And um, like it says in one of the writings, I was just kind of looking it up, like in the Jewish writings, this is from the Germara of Babylon Talmud. And it gives sermons, entire sermons and passages on this thing. And they said, it's so important that neglecting it is tantamount to unchastity and risks divine punishment in the form of sudden destruction or poverty. So it was like this, for some reason, this practice was like, had deep association with like, whether God is going to just blow up your life. (laughs) So you do it, you know, like I remember growing up, I don't want to miss church. You know, if I, if I miss church, I'm thinking God's out for me that, that whole day. It's kind of like that. Like when you go in, you don't want to bring destruction and poverty. So you're going to splash. And for some reason, you know, Jesus, he, he intentionally tells his disciples, you know, we're going in and just get ready your heart. You know, I can imagine their hearts start to beat and we're not going to wash our hands. And everybody's just like, what, you know, (laughs) what? No, like there, people are going to look at us like, like with the level of like, we're sleeping around and, you know, and we're bringing destruction on us. And Jesus is so amazing because he, he came, you know, at a moment in time to bring that clarity back of who God is and just practicing tradition after tradition, year after year, generation after generation, the way of life got so off um, that it was radical for Jesus to say, let's not wash our hands, (laughs) you know, which is, which is wild. So let's, let's jump back in there right after the reply. He says, why do you break the deeper things for this shallow thing? And he gives an example in first four, how, People wouldn't take care of their parents because if, say, they just had a limited resource and instead of taking care of their parents, which is in the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother, they would go and do it like like give it away to the church or the priest. And this was common. And Jesus brings this up and he says, look, like the more important thing is to take care of your own family. And he, he brings up these priorities you know, there's that in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if you're at the altar and if you remember that your brother has an offense against you, leave the altar because you need to go. It says, it says, go quickly and make it right. And he's, he's shown us this priority, like what's the point of serving God and doing these things to God if our relationships aren't right? Because Jesus teaches us that you can't treat people like crap and think that your relationship with God is going to be, you know, fulfilling and deeply connected and close because they're connected. How we treat people is directly connected to our relationship with God. And so Jesus is coming back and he's saying, you, let's get real. You know, like if you're in church, like, yeah, you can raise your hands and sing the song. And then you go home and just yell, yell at your family. And because that's just what you do. You know, that's just, that's just the way family works, you know, in your life. Like you, you saw your parents do it and now you do it. And, but Jesus is coming, he's dropping an anchor and he's saying, there's an order to life, you know, Mm -hmm. first things first, Mm -hmm. you, you know, get things right with those around you, then come to the altar 
You know, like mm. if you only got a little bit of money, it's all good. Your, your parents are in need. Take care of them. God doesn't need your money. <laughs> you know, like this is so practical even today. It's like getting our priorities straight and Jesus broke religion. And one thing that like I just think about often is, you know, Jesus's yoke is easy and his burdens light. And when we're moving in his way, there's a lightness, there's a freedom, you know, but when we move in the yoke of religion, it wears you out and it crushes you. And you can, you can be, you can, you can feel that, you know, when you're, when you're going about your day, going about your business, what yoke you're moving in. And Jesus is setting us free to these traditions. And um, sometimes it's just really hard to, to even question a tradition. Um, you know, I hear this thing with churches a lot where they're like, yeah, we just, we just teach scripture. We just teach scripture. And, you know, like come to our church on Sunday, come worship like this because we just teach scripture. And they're very strict sometimes in church about like doing, we do it on Sunday or Saturday, you know, they're strict about the day and then they're strict about you know, we use these songs and we use these kind of instruments and people can get so strict. And in those same conversations, I hear them say, you know, we do this because we just teach scripture. But the reality, and this is true, is that um, the Bible never even tells us how to do church. You know, like that, that is a freeing thing <laughs> because the whole suit and tie, the whole way we, we can start fights. You know, like how many divisions have happened in churches? How many splits have happened because of the the method instead of the substance? You know, wrong music. No, we worship at 1030. Oh, they switched it to 1130. We're out. We're going to a church where they just teach scripture, you know? And this is where priority can set us free because there is no scripture that tells a community how to worship. Jesus says, just just get together encourage each other just like that scripture we read at the beginning and to separate tradition from our spiritual beliefs or our scripture is more complicated than you think and i just studied a small game you know a little a few questions to help illustrate this but these 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 shocked me because you know in trying to see okay i know scripture i studied the bible for seven years at Bible school. And, that's, <laughs> and these still surprise me. So, um, you know, it, I was blown away to hear it say, it, like the whole Jonah got swallowed by a whale is just tradition. The text never says it was a whale. We just, somewhere along the way, somebody drew a whale. If you actually go into the translation of like Matthew 12 or something where Jesus says, you know, the same way Jonah was in this thing for three days, the Son of Man will be in the, you know, the, the heart of the earth for three days. When he says that, the actual translation is sea monster. Like if you, if you actually look <laughs> at the Greek, so like a more accurate, if you want to have, you know, um, children book for your kid that's more accurate, it shouldn't be a smiley little whale that's cute, so all in Jonah. It should be a freaking sea monster, you know, because that's what Jesus said. So, but that's interpretation, you know, and like, um, uh, you know, I was reading these things too. This is from, I was reading from different perspectives, but this was actually a good argument. 
This is from themennonite.org. And uh, I'll just read it for you. He says, I have often been puzzled by something missing from the Bible. Semicolon. Marriage ceremonies. <laughs> and he says, Although lots of people are married in the Bible, there are no descriptions of any ceremonies. Adam and Eve are married simply by the fact that they are made for each other and they procreate. Jacob marries Leah by mistake, which happens not because of a disguised bride at a wedding ceremony, but because he consummates the marriage in the darkness of a tent with the wrong woman. <laughs> so in that context, just the consummation is married. Jesus attends a wedding in Cana, which consists of a family party, but no ceremony is described. Like It just says it was happening and how they did it was cultural. It wasn't like, you know, this this transcending culture and time, eternal truth. It's it's culture. Um, the reason why there are no marriage ceremonies in the Bible is because marriage did not involve a ceremony. Marriage in the Bible simply consists of a man and a woman with the consent of a woman's father or guardian living together and procreating, attempting to procreate. No vows, no priest, no ritual, no prayer, no pronouncement, no license, no registration. And mm -hmm. even getting married how we do today is actually, it's all tradition. And how many fights have happened in the name of the Bible or being a Christian? Like how many stressful fights preparing for a wedding happened mm -hmm. because they're like, no, we have to do it this way. Actually, I just got to tell you, you don't have to do it this way because <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> and the evidence is right here with my baby who's from a family that they questioned tradition. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't like a strange thing. You that? It, like this girl was raised in a family culture of questioning tradition because they like John, her dad, um, who was a pastor, he he had a deep conviction that if he didn't understand the meaning behind something, he just wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't play the game. Like there's, there's this funny story where John was actually at an interview to become the pastor of a church. And right away he just stood out, like probably not in a good way because everybody in the room was wearing suit and ties, you know, pastors coming together, going to do their interview. John shows up in a t-shirt and car cargo shorts. Like right away, he's just like, he's like, yeah, I don't want to play the game, but I want to come interview, you know? And the way this interview goes, they ask you, you know, give us your credentials. Tell us why you should be an awesome pastor. And, and Joe's dad, you know, when it was his time to say before everybody what his skills are and why he should be the pastor, he just recognized, he's like, I don't, I don't need to play this game. And he just sat back in his chair and he actually just replied to that by saying, I'm good at typing. <laughs> and and that was it. <laughs> and he left, left the decision on that, you know. And I think some of the guys were so amused by it. He actually, he actually got the job, which is insane. <laughs> but, like, that's just a perfect example of, like, you know, there, there is a difference between, you know, the Bible giving us this list of rules. It actually doesn't. You know, and, and one of the revelations of Jesus is, do you, do you want to, do you want to walk the way and live the way? Learn how to live in love. And that's the funny thing about love is there's no list for that. And um, breaking through, you know, our rules that put us all in boxes, 
you know, we judge people based on whether they wash their hands if they walked in the the party without washing their hands. Well, we don't do that. We're just like, well, there's a person not wearing a mask. That means they they are selfish people. They're not wearing a mask. They're a bad person or that person's wearing a mask. He's a robot. He just listens to the government. He's not standing in his rights and his freedom. Like we're in that mess right now where we have these shallower rules and somehow in obeying those, we're violating the deep commandment of life to love and respect each other. Hmm. You know, and I was talking with Bup the other night, Bup Minardi, just one of the elders at the church. And we were just talking about how right now it's so complicated because we don't know everybody's situation. So we can't just say as a church, everybody come to church. We can't do that, you know, or we can't say, nobody come to church, you know, and there's arguments for both sides. Like, you know, some, some people in their situation right now, they need to get out of the house and, you know, just to have a reason to get out of the house and come to church and be around worship, you know, is huge for them. But in my situation right now, it's more, it's more important for me with the priority of my newborn, you know, and the advice of our doctors, you know, like we've chosen to protect ourselves a little bit during this time when, you know, I was born with lung problems and I, I couldn't breathe when I was born. And so the risk of our baby, you know, having respiratory stuff, I just want to be super careful with that. And so like, we're not at church. And so like me and Bub, we were just saying, how, how huge is it to make a priority right now of saying, you know, I'm not going to judge somebody whether they have the courage to come to church or, you know, the, the respect of government, however you want to see it, to stay home, which isn't the issues anyways, you know? And so just giving us that, that, that space, I think that's what Jesus is doing in his protest. It, it's not a hygiene protest. He's not, he's not protesting, you know, washing your hands because of germs. He's doing it because everybody's getting judged by this. And actually, mm-hmm. let's just read that verse a little bit more. And he lays out, um, let's get down here a little bit. And Jesus lays out that actually what, what is priority in your, in our lives, it isn't what we consume or what we eat or splashing our hands or wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. The thing that is priority in experiencing the kingdom of God and living in the life and the power that Jesus is making available to us. The key isn't what goes in. He says, but what comes out of the mouth, that's what defiles you. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? You just eat that, you know, like in this tradition, in the Jewish tradition, if you eat pork, I'm not going to associate anything with you. If I see you get that, sweet pork, spicy burrito from Cafe Rio. If I see you chomp that, we're done. Our relationship is done. And that's literally how it was. And so Jesus gets radical. And he says, don't you see whatever enters the mouth, you just poop it out. It, it doesn't touch the soul. That's not mm-hmm. what's important. 
but the things that come out of a person's mouth. So actually he flips it around. It's not the person eating the pork, but it's the one who's looking at him and judging him and bitter against him. He's the one who's cut. You know, he's the one who's falling into the darkness. Hmm. And it, it flips it around. One of my pastors back in the day, he said to me, he's like, hey, Matt, he was a big Hawaiian guy named Sumo. And he's, he, he's like, if you point the finger at somebody, that's fine. But realize there's three more reasons pointing back at you. You know, it's, the, it's that paradox that Jesus is saying. It's not the pork. It's the bitterness. It's the judgment that is priority and that cuts us off from peace and that cuts us off from love. You can eat whatever you want. You can go to church whatever day, you know, cultures are different. But what, what we got to see is what's coming out of our hearts in the midst of this time. That's just so crazy. Mm. And, you know, um, the last thing I want to just kind of point out during this time that helped me so much was my dad said, um, he said, he's like, Seth, you know, I've already made this decision in my mind. I'm not going to let someone's political beliefs be a reason to ruin our relationship. And like that, that rocked me because, you know, in our culture, we're told our value as a human being is in what I think. It's in my political views. It's in what I eat. It's in what I wear. It's in the materialism. It's in what I consume. It's what news channel I watch. Like there's people who are, you know, if I watch CNN and you watch Fox, that's enough for, for some people I know for us to not be friends. What Jesus is, is teaching us is your identity, your value as a human has nothing to do with the, your capacity to wrap your head around this or that. Like, and we just see that when we watch Jesus's life, he goes straight to people all the time with messed up political views, messed up past, messed up, you know, heritage on the wrong side of, you know, the Samaritan woman who's, who's a part of a people who they do so many things that is so offensive to the Jews in the temple. They, they intermarried back in the day by choice and broke the commandments of God. And Jesus goes to those people and sits down and immediately she can have relationship with Jesus. Hmm. There's no test. There's no debate. There's no sign here. There's no, who'd you vote for? You know, somehow Jesus sees the depths of reality where we all where there's, there's, there's such a value in every human being that your political views can't shake that. And, you know, and I just want to close on this when Jesus, you know, came to his ultimate protest at the end of his life and he went to the cross you know, that was a protest. Wow. It was a peaceful protest, but that was a protest and it was a, it was a message. And he stood on that cross with the arms wide open, looking at everybody who betrayed him, his friends, looking at, you know, all the people before him. And the truest thing was Jesus could look out and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because that's the truth. We all pick up our traditions like lint, just rubbing shoulders with family members. You know, we all pick up our, 
the way we see the world, our political ideas from experiences. We, we all have, you know, precious experiences that lead to those things in us, but they don't define you as a human. And God will sit at the table with you or any of your friends or even, you know, like for me, I have to re recognize that, you know, Jesus loves Packer fans too <laughs> and Viking fans. And that has nothing to do with our, our identity and our relationship with our creator. It's fun. It's a game, you know, it's tribalism and stuff. But we're moving in a time of life where we can't associate with only like-minded people. That's just not real. Like, if you're, if you're someone who can only be friends with someone who is like-minded, you've left the way of Christ. To, to be a Christian isn't to just make a little club of like-minded people. As much as we think it's about that, it's actually the opposite. It's actually a, a community of fishermen, prostitutes, tax collectors, politicians, centurions, Roman guards, Jews, and everything in between committing to this one thing and saying, I'm going to wash your feet. You know, that's Christianity. We're, we're doing the same thing as, you know, as Jesus says to the Pharisees, to try to be true to your traditions, you violated the commandment of God. And that's where we're sitting at right now in our churches. And I just pray for the humility for us to recognize you know, like our, our deepest priority is unity at a time right now when there's none. <laughs> mm. That's the mission of me. That's the mission of you. Conflict resolution. Jesus talks about that. Checking our relationships laying down my rights to show love to another. That's Corinthians. You know, lowering myself to let someone else feel heard. Mm -hmm. Going to the other, going to the oppressed, going to the, the outcast. You know, let's be, let's be it. And I just, I know mm -hmm. for a fact, like, when we go to these places, we're going to be so blessed to, and surprised to see that when we go there, we're going to see God there too, mm. because that's where he is. Mm. So if you're hungry for more of him, you're hungry to be close to him, let's just go to him. Let's go to where he is. And he's in the lowest place. You know, he always, go, he always finds the lowest place. He's mm. not the one going on a, a tirade about his political views. Mm. He didn't need to. That's not how we're going to move forward. And so I just pray this speaks to you guys, you know, as Joe sings, you know, last worship song. Let's just give a hand for my baby for not <laughs> for just being so good for home church. She's so amazing. She's so amazing. She's just sleeping and can't wait for you guys to meet her in person and when it's good. So love you guys. Hope hope we can all take some space and let the spirit speak to us and we'll just
We'll end with a little little space of that. <laughs>